0: You're listening to audio from Norwest Anglican. If you'd like to find out more about us, visit org. Well, hello, friends and podcast listeners from wherever you are joining us from. James Lewis here with our preacher from yesterday, Pete Stedman. Welcome. Thank you, James. Good to be here. Fantastic. Um, so we're diving straight into Isaiah 61 was is where we sat second last week of our series in Isaiah. Mm. Um, I think one of the things you really picked up uh, as you kind of brought us into that text is that we um, evangelicals are at risk of having this sort of truncated gospel. Mm. Um, Do you want to explain what you mean by being truncated? Yeah, I'm picking up some language
1: there that a lecturer uh, back at college used decades ago, uh, the vice principal at the time, New Testament scholar, um, Dr. Peter O'Brien, and I think he was talking about how, well, I know he was talking about how so often Sydney Ankin ministers just refer to we've, we've got to preach the gospel, we've got to live the gospel, we, 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 we trust the gospel, we believe the gospel. And you can so overuse that word gospel that you actually um, – It takes on a
0: life of its own. meaning yeah, it of its does. Own, like and, like and it can labeled. be washed
1: out of its truer, richer, fuller meaning. Mm. Um, and one of the things that Isaiah 61 does for us – is in a sense, I think it it shatters our categories, or it broadens our categories of what the gospel is. And and so I think if I was to, if I was to consider how I use the gospel, the word gospel, if I if I accept the premise that I do that in a truncated way, I think when I often refer to the gospel, um, I'm really talking about personal salvation. That actually, if I trust in Jesus, I go to heaven when I die. Mm. Uh, Peter O'Brien also made the point actually that we speak about the gospel, but we depersonalize it in that we don't speak of the gospel. Of the Lord Jesus yeah. Christ. It's the good news about a person, yeah, yeah, uh, about right. about the, yeah. the man God, Jesus himself. Yeah. And and I just, as I was reading Isaiah 61, preparing for this, and I just read the first three verses, I just saw, wow, this good news that the anointed one's going to bring mm. is much broader than mm. personal forgiveness of sins that I might get to heaven mm. when I die. It, it's much broader
0: than that. Because you've got uh, good news for the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the captives release darkness uh, for the prisoners um so very kind of
1: to proclaim comfort for those who mourn mm, to mm. bestow on them yeah and on and on and so um now it's 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 tricky to work out what all of those mean but it's an ampli it's an amplification of what uh, god's anointed one will do mm. when he comes it's not a minimization yeah, of what yeah. he'll do
0: okay so let's let's tease this out mm. um first i want to kind of chat a little bit about how or why we end up with this truncated gospel um, and then sort of what the implication is for, you know, social justice and so on. So mm. where where do, where do you think this truncatedness comes from? If, it, if it's something we've slipped into, um, it, it occurred to me that possibly it's a reflection of living in a uh, a, a wealthy Western individualistic culture that we tend to then almost, we re- reread uh, the scriptures through that lens of, you know, it's all about me individually because mm. we're individualistic mm. Mm. Um, and we don't wrestle with the social justice because by and large it's not a, a pressing issue for us because we, we're so wealthy and so therefore we end up with this, well, it's just a spiritual kind of thing. Mm.
1: Yeah, so I think I mean, we certainly play by the rules in uh, within the culture that we've grown up in and we mm. think the thoughts uh, that have been developed within us and um, uh, by by the, the world in which, you know, the air we breathe, the world we've grown up in, and there's no doubt that there's no, an Uh, individualistic push uh, that's been around for for many years, um, decades actually, Mm -hmm. and um, we are at the centre of our our own existence and meaning and purpose is found in the way we engage with others around the world, So, uh, sorry, around us in our culture and lives. So, um, yeah, individualism is rampant. Rampant individualism is what people Mm -hmm. speak about. Um, And actually if you trace that back further, that actually goes back to the heart of sin, doesn't it, that actually Mm -hmm. um, I'm – selfish and self-centred by nature, Um, not by creation but Mm. by nature, by the nature Mm. of the fall. Uh, And so, therefore, I want to centre life around me, my Mm. desires, wants, pleasures, Mm. needs, Mm. um, and individualism as a broader concept grows out of that. Mm. Now, in more communal um, context, it's not to say they're more godly. You know, Mm. there's just other ways that that same – Self centeredness expresses itself in communal yeah, yeah, ways, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, so I, I think it's very easy for Christians, therefore, to think well, um, life's about me uh, feeling less guilty, uh, less anxious. Uh, Jesus pays the price, um, shame gone, guilt gone. Yep, now I yep. can live and go to heaven when I die. And, I yep. just, I, and some of there, there are certainly elements of truth to all of that. Um, but it's truncated. Mm. It's a, it's a, um, mm. it's a, it's a, a much abbreviated mm. Um, mm. Uh, thought, or um, it's a much abbreviated concept. Yeah. compared to what the scriptures yeah. give us. in their That's forwards. right. And
0: we're very quick to say, oh, the you know Isaiah sixty one. It's just sort of a spiritual categories. You know, yeah. who are the poor? Well, the poor are those who know their brokenness before God. Yeah, um, uh, which is true in one sense. Um, yeah. But I yeah. wonder whether also been, we truncate it because of. Uh, the fear of moving into this, um, what often they call, so like social justice gospel, where um, the weight is on kind of changing structures in society, mm. and and the risk then of of losing the actual um, dealing with sin and the cross, and but actually, you know, what the church should be on about is, mm. is is social justice and breaking down barriers and releasing prisoners and poor from inequity. Yeah, and and you and then you, and and we've seen in the history of the church, you then kind of. Yeah, lose. it's a fair concern, yeah, isn't it? And I yeah. think we have to
1: feel the weight of the concern because if, as I, mean, as I said somewhat clumsily in, in one of the Q&Cs, if you actually look at the history of organisations that start out deeply gospel-centric with Christ and his proclamation and the forgiveness of sins mm. um, at the centre and, and then do gospel uh, social action uh, as mm. well um, – very often, what happens is that the centre is corroded away, and what is left is social action. There's even an ad on TV at the moment. I won't name who it's for. I think the byline is "Do good," um, and uh, they collect food and this, that, and the other, uh, or do some good. And it even says, "Whatever you believe, do some good." And I think, mm. yeah, at one level, sure, it's it's not a bad thing to mm. do good. Mm. But, man, talk about truncated, talk about washed out, like the centre of why you do good, that there is a good God who has yeah. reached out to a bad world yeah. to restore us and bring us back. Well, so and therefore overflowing, and you the know. God who
0: created all people in his image so each person is equally valid um, and so that's the drive and not just yeah. the do good because it's a – um, an absolute in itself. Well, and or also it makes you feel good, or whatever. And that's yeah. the
1: thing, right? Which goes back to the self-centeredness. Like we do good because it can make us feel less guilty about being selfish in a, mm. in a world where there is so much inequity and inequality. And um, yeah, so uh, so I understand. Um, I, I understand why, and I'm very sympathetic towards why Christian organisations have lent towards uh, gospel proclamation alone. Mm. Um, and yes when we read the scriptures, actually when we look at Jesus, uh, there is no doubt that spiritual renewal and forgiveness of sins is at the heartbeat of what he's come to do. Actually to restore people back to their creator mm. is what he's yeah. come to do. But there is always a rippling out from that. When the Lord Jesus takes hold of you, you come to know that you are mm. a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. Mm. You do live differently. You do start to be sanctified, mm. to think differently, to act mm. differently, to to relate differently, to... to to grieve differently. Yeah. Um, to hold yeah. time differently, money differently. Yeah,
0: all of life is Lord of all. Yeah, I, I think the the mistake you make in either end of those spectrums is, uh, an old friend of ours used to say about nothing buttery. Um, mm. It's just it's well it's it's this and only this. And you go well it is that. It is evangelism. It is preaching um, atonement mm. and forgiveness of sins. Mm. But it's not only that. Mm. And yes, that is the most important element. But to to just have that and ignore the life change, mm. the societal change is, is to actually truncate the gospel, mm. right? Mm. Um, and so I think, you know, when Jesus says, um, you know, the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, um, and then love your neighbour as yourself. Yeah. And they're not options that you pick one or that you can do one and not the other, but they're together. Mm. And, yes, the relationship God is put front and f- mm. centre first, mm. But it always flows out in love of neighbour. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so I think that we, we can kind of, um, we're not faithful to the scriptures if we just do, you know, kind of. No, it's interesting. On off.
1: Uh, a couple of comments. Firstly, um, uh, Isaiah 61 is picked up by Jesus in Luke 4. Luke 4 is often used as a so- social gospel text, mm. um, uh, saying, well, look how Jesus lived. He was actually all about getting the poor out of um, poverty and so on and so forth. Um, to which I'd want to say, uh, if you read Isaiah 61, 1-3 to three carefully, there is a lot of speaking in there. So we read that um, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, verse 1, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news. Mm. So it's a spoken verbal message mm, mm. to preach good news proclaim. and then to proclaim freedom, yeah, verse two, yeah. 1, and then to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So at least three times these very clear um, vocal spoken words are used mm. to remind us of what the good news is. The good news is news. Mm. It's, it's mm. a spoken message. But then it impacts yeah, different people right. in Shapes, different ways.
0: Right. And, and in Luke 4, um, they want to throw him off a cliff afterwards. And it's <laughs> not because he's come to, you know, break up the social structures. It's yeah, because he's proclaiming right. he's the fulfillment yeah, yeah. of all that Isaiah's pointing towards, which is suffering servant and so on.
1: James, just one more point. It was mm. interesting as I was writing this, I was thinking if I was preaching this in a different context, the sermon would have had a, a slightly different emphasis. I can imagine if I was asked to preach at a social action convention, <laughs> um, which was all about how do we help the poor, and I was given this text. I would be really ramping up an emphasis on the the preaching, the proclaiming and how good news uh, and how good works are wonderful things to do. But essentially uh, if they are not driven by a heart that's been captured Mm. by the Lord Jesus Mm. himself, um, Mm. in in many ways Mm. they are like filthy rags.
0: Yeah, which is I think a really helpful point that – whenever we're engaging with God's word and we're preaching it or, or whatever, that we're looking. I mean, God is correcting mm. our errors. Mm. And so different communities have different errors that the gospel yeah. needs to correct.
1: And, and and so in our context, I don't think we are at risk of walking away from the centrality of the Lord Jesus, his atoning death and the proclamation of his word. Mm. I think our blind spot for some of us, for me perhaps, mm. is in that Love of neighbor, and what does that look like? You know, yeah, yeah. and so that's why I wanted to pick up a bit more on mm. that in a way that maybe we haven't mm. heard for a little while.
0: Yeah, and I think you see um, a lot of you know the prophets, particularly when you get into sort of the eighth century, um, and and the prophets um, after Isaiah, mm. there is that concern for um, God's concern for social justice mm. is there. That, mm. that actually one of the, the great kind of um, symptom of their broken hearts before God is their abuse and. Of the poor, uh, injustice, their their greed,
1: because um, it's a reflection,
0: yeah, right. a reflection of their hearts. And you made a really uh, quite quite um, telling point yesterday that the year of jubilee, um, there's no evidence they ever celebrated it because and, yeah. <laughs> because it cost them, you know? It cost them too much. Yeah. And actually,
1: as I was looking, I did some more research this morning, so I was asked about it yesterday. Uh, there is scant evidence that the um, that the year of Sabbath was kept either. Yeah. So not only was the fiftieth too hard to keep, but um, but even the seventh was too mm. hard to keep, A- and because to actually let the lie to get, to let the land lie fallow mm. and to not harvest and just to merely trust on what the land provides, actually, of course, what mm. God provides without their intervention or effort, mm. uh, took our faith too great, mm. and unless we be too quick to say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you Israelites yeah. don't you trust the Lord, yeah. Yeah. really," like yeah. I mean. Yeah. As you know what it's like as well as I do. Is we meet with people who find themselves unemployed or their contract wrapping mm. up, and the great anxiety mm. there, understandably, mm. right? And yet to just say, "Oh, God's got this," you'll mm. be right. No, no, no. It's mm. it's a it's a learned behavior over many mm. years to yeah. trust that God really holds all things yeah. and that yeah. we prayerfully commit our things into His hands. Mm. But we are just as prone to making these errors,
0: yeah. uh, maybe yeah. more so than Israel. Yeah. No, so I had a really interesting conversation with one of our members yesterday evening about. And he's just in a place where he's like, what do I, what do I do with my Mm. life? You know, what, Mm. what, what should I, you know, what plans should we make and everything? And I said, well, you got to start with a real, in your with your wife, this real kind of openness to say, Lord, Mm. we're here, we're your instruments Mm. of grace, like, um, use us and, and guide us and mm. so then to explore different things mm. but that real sense of handing that over and trusting God and asking him to, mm. to shape the future and guide well, it. It's interesting we had uh, a couple from church from one of our
1: morning services wanted to catch up with Bree and I for a cuppa yesterday afternoon I didn't know what the agenda was and essentially the agenda was um, for 20 plus years I've worked in my role um, and I'm happy to do it you know God's got me there and he's been very kind to me but I'm just wondering what the next chapter is for us whether it's church planting, whether it's heading mm. overseas, whether it's mm. um, going to Bible college to be trained as a, as a pastor, whether it's uh, continuing where we are. And, again, just a delight to see a family. Uh, you know, so often we just hold our future and our plans with such clenched fists. Mm. And as we were sitting there having a cup, I just thought this is a family who are just Open-handed. opening their hands yeah. and allowing God to um, to guide and lead them. Mm. It was a delight. It's so yeah. rare, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, is. like, So rare, but really lovely. Yeah.
0: All right, let's move on to something I think it's sort of a reflection a bit of something we've wrestled with in the series is that the second half of Isaiah is very poetic. Mm. There's no kind of narrative or historical events that you can really pin down with great accuracy. Um, And so the imagery is quite enticing and rich, but also we're kind of going, what what does it exactly mean? And verse 6 was one that um, people kind of really wrestled with. And so verse 6 says, and you'll be called priests of the Lord and you'll you'll be named ministers of our God. You'll feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Um, And the the you kind of pointed out, alluded to the fact that um, the first half of that, the the priests and ministers is sort of fulfilled in the sense that all God's people Mm. are are priests, priesthood Mm. of all Mm. believers. Um, We're all uh, servants and uh, sharing the good news and serving and so on. Um, And then people kind of picked up and wanted to tease out a bit more um, well, how does the feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast um, play out? And um, so let's chat about that a yeah, bit more because that, yeah. that came up a number of times. It and did. I think it, it, it not just for that verse, but I think it's that it helps us kind of work on the how do you take poetic, yeah, uh, Old Testament prophecy and and apply it well.
1: And, and it um and it could well have sounded like it may well have sounded like I was crystal clear in my preaching on what six A meant. Yes, that we're absolutely priests. And 6B, well, I think it it's just metaphoric. Look, yeah. Which seems, it feels it seems like a bit
0: arbitrary, right? It does, it feels a yeah. bit
1: slippery. Well, so a couple of comments. Here's here's the first thing to say. Verse six, I think, is all poetic. Okay? Uh, absolutely all poetic. So the reality is, the reality is um, to be caught to call God's people priests of the Lord, that is a metaphor. Because actually, Israel didn't become Levites. Mm. They they actually didn't become part of the priestly class as they understood it. No, what, what Isaiah 61 is saying is you will be as priests of God to the world. You will be named ministers, servants of our God, right? And so I think that that is a metaphor as well. The reason I could speak a little more clearly about that is because I think this, the theology of the priesthood of all believers is uh, either more developed through the scriptures or I'm aware of its development more clearly through the scriptures. So you've got the Exodus 19, uh, you'll be a holy nation, a royal priesthood. You've got Isaiah sixty one. You'll be called priests of the Lord. Uh, you've then got uh, 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 One Peter chapter two, uh, where it's uh, where um, Exodus nineteen is picked up, and that's then spoken to of the church. Um, and so it, there is a theme that runs through the scriptures. So that's why I was able to speak a bit more clearly about that. And it's it's very helpful, I think, to shatter categories because I think even uh, with those who have grown up under with a Catholic background or even a more formal Anglican background or actually any background where the person at the front has set themselves up either deliberately or structurally, the structure has set them up, to be this authoritative voice and what I say goes. Mm. Now, there's no doubt that the Lord sets apart pastors, teachers, evangelists. You know, we read about all of that in Ephesians. But actually I'm a priest of God no more or less than my daughter, Mm. my 15-year-old daughter, who's seeking to bring Christ her friends at school and prayerfully trying mm. to do that, mm. um, so so it's actually not about theological qualification. It's not about the laying laying on of hands and setting apart for a particular reason or vocation, which is what happens mm. with Anglican ministers. Um, yes. Uh, in God's church, certain people, men and women, are, 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 are set apart for a particular ministry. Yeah, but ministry. you don't have
0: any more direct access to no, so special power. No, so to, sometimes people yeah.
1: ask us to go around and pray for their house. You've had that, haven't you? Can mm. you come and pray for our house? I always find it weird praying for inanimate <laughs> objects, and I point that out. I think what they actually mean is we pray – actually, I'm not sure what they mean. What I interpret it and what I choose to pray for is I'm happy to come and pray for you, that you use your home as a mm. place of ministry and mission yeah. um, and of welcome and generosity. Mm. Um but you know what, James, I could just as easily ask that family to come and pray for me mm. and my home mm. that it's the same thing, mm. you know. It's mm. not like the prayers of an name can minister uh, have any more weight uh, before the Lord. And so th- that's the first, th- first thing to say there. The second thing to say is how do we then understand 6B, mm. which is you'll feed on the wealth of nations and the, in, in riches you'll boast. I think a couple of things to say. I, I think this is... A poem it is richly evocative it is talking about in this context the reversal of all things where actually Israel who had been beaten down where money had been taken from the treasury this and the other it will be flipped on its head and it'll be like the nations can't give you enough and I think it's also worth just having a look if you're questioning this or a bit stuck on this at chapter 60 verse 10 so just flip back one page where we see the same idea in uh, in chapter 60
0: foreigners will rebuild your walls and their kings will serve you Though in anger I struck you, in favour I'll show you compassion. Your gates will always stand open and they will never be shut day or night. Um, which, again, is, is imagery, right? Of, yeah, it is. Of that sense of not having a threat. There's you know, no threat. So, it's all, to, so
1: so you are you know. so secure you can be open. Yep. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah. And then, so that people may bring you the wealth of the nations, their kings led in triumphal procession. So it's it's just this idea that actually, again, foreigners are going to rebuild for you, which is part of my argument for, for verse 4. Um I'm going to show you compassion in a sense that the time of judgment upon you is over. Um, Your gates will be open, metaphor, as in be assured I've got you and and night won't even be a fear for you Um, and the nations will, it'll be like they just can't give you enough. And Mm. someone asked me about this last night and I said to him, uh, I said, look, I know Revelation's apocalyptic uh, apocalyptic literature, but do you actually think that the roads uh, in heaven are going to be paved with gold? Mm. And And he looked at me and I said, well, I don't. But people think metaphor means it's not really accurate. I'm uh, my argument is no, metaphor is trying to capture something that normal prose cannot.
0: Yeah, and so actually it's well, like it's you're pointing to something that we don't have categories to capture
1: how wonderful. And so it God
0: is. paints a picture that to capture yeah, our imagination. That's right. To go, yeah. Okay. What well, whatever that evokes in you of splendor and grandeur, yeah, that's yeah. what heaven will be like. That's right. And and I, actually, you you don't have words and imagination to grasp how amazing it will that's be. That's right. That's but right. This is a taste, right? And so
1: and so, what is as common as dust to you will be gold in the new yeah. heavens in the new earth. That's that right. idea. That's right. Which still raises the question for us, though. What on earth does it mean? Um, when it says in verse 6 that you will feed on the wealth of nations and in your riches they will boast. And again, this comes down to when is 61 speaking about? Is it to- talking about the current situation for post-exilic Israel? Is it mm. talking about um, after Christ's first coming? Is it talking about after Christ's second coming? Uh, I think there's elements of all of that within mm. this, uh, but I think it is, there's certainly, it's certainly pointing to a, yeah. a restored creation. Uh, and I think it is saying that... Um, God's people will never be lacking. What does Ephesians 1 tell us? That actually in Christ we have every spiritual blessing in him. We lack nothing mm. because of mm. the Lord Jesus. And and I wonder if part of verse 6 mm. is actually pointing towards that, that the fullness mm. of all things. Mm. And it may not be that we have big bank accounts. And you know what? It'll often mean we don't have big bank accounts. Um, but we have everything that actually mm. matters.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, was, as you were talking, it made me think of... Um, the Acts 15, the council of Jerusalem Mm. and the issue that comes up that all these Gentiles are turning to Jesus. And then there's a group of, um, perhaps well-meaning, probably Mm. not well-meaning, um, Jewish Christians who say, well, they also need to be circumcised and obey the law of Moses. Mm. And so they add to Jesus, something Mm -hmm. add Mm -hmm. Jesus, a a law. Um, and then there's the whole debate about, um, kind of how that's to play out. Mm. And the church very clearly says, no, no, there there should be no boundary. It's Mm -hmm. just by faith. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and James in it, um, part of his argument he quotes uh, from Amos um, and it says, after this I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent, its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it, mm. that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things, things known from long ago. Mm. And he quotes Amos' uh, Amos's prophecy that David's kingdom will be restored, but it's saying it's fulfilled in the nations coming in. Mm. Um, and there's, it just struck me because there's very similar language to Isaiah about re- rebuilding and restoring mm. God's place, mm. um, but he's he's not obviously in are in Jerusalem. It's you know they're not talking about rebuilding Jerusalem. Mm. It's actually mm. the the rebuilding of David's fallen tent is actually the nations coming um, and they are and being, being East, able James. to proclaim the Lord. So I, w- I wonder whether Isaiah's picking up on that a little bit like yeah. feeding on the wealth of nations is actually the nations coming in um, and uh, God's people together enjoying.
1: That and, and if that's accurate, I mean, it's somewhat speculative, but yeah, was, but, but it's, it's interesting, thought that occurred. <laughs> but if it's accurate, think about Sunday, 700 people mm. sitting there receiving the blessing of the promises of Isaiah, of God to Isaiah mm. and God uh, in Christ to us. Not one of us Jewish mm. that I'm aware of. I mean, mm. there might be, mm. um, but actually the nations were gathered on Sunday, you know, mm. and... Um, And we sit there are wealthy people, don't Mm, we? And I don't mean economically, although that's undoubtedly true. true. I'm talking about wealthy in every way. Mm.
0: Um, Yeah. yeah, Amazing. All right. Thank you, brother. Um, We're in second last podcast on wow. Isaiah. That's it. So, that's yeah. flown this morning. Um, fantastic. Good to be able to, or as always, dig deeper into a few of the things and tease out some ideas. I uh, hope that's helpful for you. What should people read for next week, James? Uh, Isaiah sixty four is okay. where, where we're heading. Brilliant. So uh, to close out the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but look forward to sharing you with you a bit more on that next week. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening. If you found this resource helpful, we encourage you to connect with us at noest.org.